living ecclesia, and watching hummingbirds. Well, first, I would like to welcome you all to church. We welcome each other to church a lot, don't we? You come on Sunday and you're like, hey, welcome to church, welcome to church, welcome to church, welcome to church. Did you have a good day? Did you have a good week? Well, but thankfully now we're here all at church. We use church in a very funny and curious way in relationship to how the Bible uses it. So I want you to think for, for one second, how often does the Bible mention church? How often does the Bible mention church? It's a curious thing, right? We should probably know the answer to that question. Does God call you to attend church? How about we start with the word church? Let's, let's go from there. Let's, let's start there. So church. Look at all these definitions of church. In these definitions, Marilyn, go to the next slide. In these definitions of church, we see that church is an event. Church is a place. Church is a time. In some cases, church is a congregation. The problem with the word church is it muddles too many things together. We get this idea that church is this big, grand thing that includes everything. Right? Tom and I like to jokingly use this reference. I would just like to know that Tom stole this reference from me. I just as an FYI, okay? If I say, hey, I've got a cat. I've got a show you guys have to see about a guy and his cat. You guys would all be like, yeah, no. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of cat people here that will go watch because they'll watch any cat video. But in general, if people are like, no, I'm not watching a video about a guy with a cat. But if I told you, hey, you should watch this movie, this show about a guy with his tiger, you'd be like, oh, yeah, then never mind. Maybe I will watch that. Just a crazy, terrible show. And I can't get past like 10 minutes of it. But the point being, we all recognize that a tiger is a cat. That's not incorrect. But the difference between a cat and a tiger is very big, right? We all see that difference. If you look at God's use of the word church, it is very different from our vernacular. Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the word that we commonly translate as church. Which is funny because if you go to all the romantic languages, like in Spanish, it's iglesia, right? Is church. Look how much closer that is. How did we get to church? And look at what church is. Church is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly of people. Do you see anything about a prescribed time or place in Ecclesia? No, you don't. More to the point, as you start to go through this specific definition, this has meaning to the Greeks, the Romans, the Gentiles, the Jews of the age. If you brought together a group of people in Ecclesia, you had a political motivation behind that moment. You were trying to foment change. You may have not been a radical, but there is reference to Ecclesia not as the body of Christ, but as a group of people coming together. When Paul goes, um, oh gosh, I just totally forgot. Uh, when Paul goes to the city that worships Diana, 
the silversmith goes crazy because all of a sudden people are like, hey, this is just some stupid idol. There's no God behind this. And he gets together essentially what is an ecclesia, which is like a moment. In in the moment, he goes to all the different idol makers and says, hey, this guy's going to put us out of a job. They all go nuts. They all assemble in a central place and say, hey, we would like to complain about this guy, Paul. Except they have to disperse because someone notes, hey, you guys, shut up. The Romans don't like big crowds of people gathering together. So there is your political viewpoint of the word ecclesia. And truly, we are ecclesia. We are a body of people that gathers together under a specific set of beliefs that we give all our fealty to. If it's between the United States and Christ, the United States is going to lose quickly. I have loyalty to my country, but man, it is a distant second to what I hold to with Christ. Look at church in God's vernacular. There's 115 references to Ecclesia. Those three that I mentioned are the political ones. They give us some reference points outside of the church body, but the other 112 are dedicated to the body of Christ. There's a specific body of people. In Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. This is important. The Lord added to the assembly of people. Wait, from people we have people. What? Except in the Greek, they read very differently. People's a vague term initially. And then they join the assembly of people. They join the body of Christ. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his part of his body, which is the ecclesia. We're partners with Christ. We're not just a body of people. We are being set up, you individually, us as a group, to be the perfect partner of Christ. And that's the final bit of ecclesia. Is ecclesia is a big idea, but it's all built around the body. It's not built around this. There's nothing wrong with going to church. Church, in a great way, is a wonderful tradition. However, it gets muddled with ecclesia as the people. We are not here to come to church at a time. We are not supposed to come to church as a place. Church is not an event. Church is your day-to-day life if we're looking at the word. Church is supposed to be every day. Anytime you're with another believer, you are ecclesia. It's when you're alone that that definition comes into question. So, Scott, the question really comes to, to a lot of people, comes to their minds, Scott, it's church, it's ecclesia. Who cares? What difference does it really make? My argument to you is that in your day-to-day language, your day-to-day language affects the way you think about a thing. So I have one verse up here for you. It's, it's kind of a random verse, but it really does a good job of telling the story behind Ecclesia. So in Romans 16, 1, in the way if you go through your Bible and you're reading through it, it's going to read, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria. Sweet. But look at the other way. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, 
who is the servant of our family assembly in Centuria. Look at the difference in how you envision it in your mind. When you say the church, what comes to your mind? Man, without my ability to, I cannot extricate it from mine, but when I say from the church, I think of an institution, which arguably here is not what Paul is thinking. Paul is thinking of this individual who comes from a a little collective of individuals. He's not looking at Phoebe from the big church. He's looking at Phoebe from the family over here. You need to welcome her. She needs a family where she's going to. Look at the personalization that comes or is lost in one verse by one word. Now, I will note to you, Clacy here, I've made the Our Family Assembly. The true, the, like, if you just took literal words, it would just be the assembly. But in that is an idea of family. Because obviously Phoebe, our sister, suggests that, hey, there's a familial evidence. There's a familial relationship there. So I don't want to suggest to you, this isn't a family assembly. That's me putting in family. So just FYI. But I put it in there to remind you that when the Greeks are reading this, they're not looking at this as some big institution that Phoebe is going to. She's going from one family to another. So how did this happen? How in heaven's name did we go from the little family to the church? That's got to be an interesting story. And as it happens, it is. So some assembly is required unless you're the king, in which case assembly is bad for you. Right? And the Romans also recognized that assembly was bad for them. Wonderfully, in our constitution, we have the freedom to assembly because often the freedom to assemble was denied. John Wycliffe, back in, I believe, the 1300s, begins to translate the Bible from Latin into English. He makes the Bible accessible to the common folk. Now, the problem was the common folk couldn't read, but if you were going to read, you had to learn how to read Latin, not the common language of the day. Right, which in the case of England would be English. Right, so Wycliffe begins to translate. This is taken up by John Tyndale, or William Tyndale. William Tyndale comes along and goes, well, we shouldn't do the Latin. Forget the Latin. We should do Greek. The source documents. For his effort, William Tyndale is hunted by Henry VIII for years. Hunted. There are spies Everyone is trying to find William Tyndale because he has the audacity to translate the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts into English for the people. And the king's worried that if he doesn't have control of the source document, he's going to lose control of the church. King Henry VIII dies. We get, I believe, the Mary Queen Queen of Scots, who's nuts. Uh, Then we go into the Elizabethan age, which is great. 45 years later, though, she dies, and King James IV of Scotland comes to power. And boy, the Presbyterians are excited because King James is a noted Protestant. And this is a chance for England to come out of the rule, out from under the rule of England, of the Church of England. Yes! Except... King James hasn't been thrilled with the Presbyterians, the Protestants in Scotland because they keep on challenging him. <laughs> How dare they? How could you challenge me, the king? I'm so wonderful. So he comes into the throne of England 
becomes king over all the land. Yes. And he comes and he takes this power. And they're like, hey, uh, we want to change things. And he's like, no. I kind of like being not only the king of England, but also the defender of the faith. It kind of comes off the tongue nicely. I think I'm going to keep that job. But they do manage to convince him, hey, let us translate the Bible into English. And he goes, all right, I guess so. But he gives them 15, 15 rules that they cannot stray from. And one of them is, every time you see the word ecclesia, except for those three that we talked about, you will translate that as the church. Marilyn, go back one slide for me. Look at Phoebe again. Look at the church again versus Ecclesia. Do you guys see the difference now? There is a power struggle going on here in this, in this uh, translation. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, Scott, you can't go changing the translation of the Bible. And what I would note to you is King James tried to change the translation of the Bible to maintain power for himself. And yet the truth of God persists. 1611, the King James Bible is released. It is still considered the Holy Bible of the Church of England. And you aren't supposed to change it. They don't, they're not big fans, apparently, of the new King James. I didn't realize that until I was doing this. Despite his desire to hold on to power, to cement his place, God's truth will not be stopped. It always comes back through. And as the years have gone on, when William Tyndale... Go back, Marilyn. When William Tyndale translated this verse that we just looked at, he translated it as the assembly. And once he had done that, his Bible began to also spread among Protestants and a number of other people. And still to this day, you can find places in ancient uh, translations where the church is the assembly. Now look, I don't think church is a bad translation. The only reason it's not the best translation is that it loses specificity. Let's see how it affects, though, what our job, what is our job as the ecclesia? What are we supposed to be doing with ecclesia? If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now they are many members, but one body. The eye can't tell the hand, I have no need for you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those parts of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we just bestow more abundant honor. And our unpresentable parts have more abundant propriety. Whereas our presentable parts have no such need, but God composed the body together, giving more abundant honor to the inferior part. That there should be no division in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or when one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of the Messiah and the members individually, whereas our, oh, but you are a chosen generation, oh, whereas, oh, oh, did Scott do auto, auto click? Might have. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have attained mercy. 
So in going through all these, the purpose of the church is to act as a body, a support system for one another, a royal priesthood. This is the purpose of ecclesia. If you go on, if you go back to that second verse, the, the second verse one that, that auto-forwarded, auto that was the precursor to Tom's gifts, the message he just gave on gifts. It goes through and says, look, here's all the things that the body does together, all the things the body does together. And you start asking, okay, well, how does the body do those things? God says, I've given you gifts. I'm going to give gifts to the, to the body to help, you, to help each other define things, to give clarity as to what the body should be doing. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, is made full. Revelations 19.7, let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let us give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. We just did communion today, and communion is the promise that Christ is coming again. Christ is coming back for us, his bridegroom, his perfect partner. We're a body, we're a priesthood, and we're a perfect partner for Christ. That's what Ecclesia is. It's not a place, it's not a time, it's not an event. We are built for something specific. And if you look at these different pieces, you are being prepared for all of your jobs as the Ecclesia. If you can keep your focus on, why do I do this church thing? Why do you come to church? It's not necessary. The Bible doesn't say you have to. The Bible has, says nothing about the traditions that we have created around church. There's a number of people out there who dislike that we've created all these traditions. But I would argue with them that the tradition of coming together once a week is wonderful. How else do we build up the body than by spending time with one another? How else do we know our place in the body without being here with each other. How do I support a brother or sister in need if I'm not here to chat with them, to find out their needs? How am I prepared for the royal priesthood if I never get training, if I'm never taught? And if I don't know how to be a part of a body, if I don't know how to be part, if I don't understand Christ, how do I be his partner? How am I built to the point that I am the perfect partner for Christ? Church has its purpose. This is not to say church is bad. But it's to remind you that ecclesia, the gathering of the saints, is what is important. Because it prepares you for this. Even better yet, God has given us all tools to be prepared for this. He's given us the gifts. There's a list of 18 gifts, I believe. Look at all the gifts. Those are parts defined. Where do you fit in the body? What is your job in the body? In this assembly of, of saints, what do I do? Once I'm doing my job, once I'm here, I am involved with the body. How do you build trust in relationships? The fruits of the Spirit are all about us dealing with each other. If I'm all those things and don't have love, if I'm joyous, 
if I'm peaceful, I'm long-suffering, kindness goes, but I don't have love, I have a weak relationship. I may not be trustworthy. If I'm all those things and I'm not gentle, which I am not, and I'm working on my wife laughs, what am I? Am I worth trusting? Can I be trusted? Is this going to be a strong relationship? Man, Scott's really nice, and then he just smacks me in the head sometimes. Sorry. Sorry if I've done that, which I have to some of you. If you do all those things well, but you can't control yourself, you're definitely not going to be trusted. The fruits of the Spirit are there for us to trust each other. Because that's what this is. This is a body connected with ligaments and sinew like we have. And if those pieces are weak, the body falls apart. Finally, how do you protect the body? God gives you armor. Not just to protect you, but to protect the body that you are a part of. Truth, the word. Man, I love the the armor. I wish we talked more about that. Tom, you're up. Preach on the armor. Salvation, spirit, prayer. These are all in place to protect the body from the wiles of the devil. Because, man, he would like nothing more than to take apart this body. Not just coasts, the big church, the overall church, the big ecclesia. Ecclesia, in the end, is family. In the end, ecclesia is a big family. We refer to each other as brother and sister, not by accident, but with purpose. Ecclesia is our family, our family ecclesia. So the question comes can I sleep in on Sunday? Because let's be honest, you all want to sleep in on Sunday. Jack yells out, no. No, you may not sleep in on Sunday. (laughs) You should be here on Sunday. Because I look out into the crowd, there's people I don't know well enough. Parts of the body I don't know well enough. And when you look at that, God gives us a nose and a tongue so we can taste more fully smell more fully. God gives you 10 fingers. He gives you opposable thumbs so you can grasp more easily. God gives you two feet and two legs so that you may move more abundantly. But if the two aren't aware and don't work together, do they perform the functions as well as God intended? No, they do not. Being here on Sunday gives you that chance. It gives you that chance. If you're the legs, man, you can work in tandem with the other legs. Hooray, but only if you're here. If you're the tongue, and won't shut up sometimes and be nice, you need that nose so that you can have better taste. If you're the right eye, you need to work together with the left eye so that you can see more perfectly. But you need to be here. You need to be in a relationship For my internet friends, good news, you don't have to come to church on Sunday if you don't want to. The bad news is you do need to be involved with Ecclesia. If you're at home all the time, we never see you, we never meet you, you are not part of Ecclesia. You may be here at church with us an idea, and there's some times when you cannot come, and we understand that. But if you're able, we would love to have you here as part of the body. 
not necessarily because you need us, but more because we need you. We are missing parts. That is the best and worst part of ecclesia. Like Corinthians said, when a member is hurt, we are hurt. You know, there's been a number of families at church that have suffered from cancer. We lost Dave. Man, when that stuff hurts, we hurt. When we lose members, gosh, it hurts because parts of your body are rendered, ripped away from you. But when we add a new family, oh, what a blessing. What a glorious day it is when we add a new family to the fold. When a new family becomes part of our ecclesia, that's an amazing moment. Our church is pretty good at eating together. We like to eat. Just ask Jack. I'd recommend all of you on Sundays, go eat with someone. Look, some days I know you have to run out of here. I have 342 kids. I get it. Those moments come. But when you're done with church, don't run out those doors and run to your car and hit the road. No. You're here to spend time with family. And look, I have family, and sometimes I don't want to spend time with them. But you do need to get together with your family. If you don't have a physical family, you need to be here because we want to be your family. We are your family, and if you aren't here, we miss you. Even if we don't know you, we miss you. Amen. Finally, Ecclesia is a shelter for orphans. On that note, we're all orphans. This is supposed to be our shelter from the storm. Not the church, not Sunday, the family. We are each other's shield against the storm. We're each other's comfort in tough times. We're each other's, you know, cheerleaders in good times. But there's people out there that have not yet found their ecclesia. There's churches where if a family leaves or doesn't show up one Sunday... Nobody really notices. That's not ecclesia. That's church. Ecclesia is you don't show up, you're missed. And that really falls to our seasoned members, people that have been here a while. We need to know the new members better. We need to gather them in so that when they are missing, we miss them. That's ecclesia. Finally, our our actions and words ecclesia focus sometimes scott's words are not ecclesia focused scott's i got the gift of sarcasm so me and tom actually got all the gift of sarcasm for the ages and two people that go to the same church somehow they let us speak which is a probably not the best of choices so i have one last story for you guys that sums up everything that i see ecclesia as the title was Living Ecclesia because our Ecclesia should be alive. It should be living. And you should be living Ecclesia, a family life within the church. The title was Living Ecclesia and Watching Hummingbirds. So about two weeks ago, we were on the way home from church. We drove by, and for just a moment, I thought, geez, I got to ask Dave a question. That still happens. I walk out my back door, and my deck overlooks Dave's deck. Dave enjoys his deck. And still to this day, I walk out. 
And the first thing I'll do is look to the side and remember Dave isn't there. So we started talking about how we miss Dave. Kim talked about how she missed talking about school with Dave because my wife homeschools. My little girl piped up in the back. I miss watching hummingbirds with Dave. The Eichlers have known the Bennetts for three generations now. So there's a great deal of trust that has been built through the years. We're not family, but we are family. And Dave would take the time to sit with my daughter at five or six and watch hummingbirds outside. That's Ecclesia. That's family. That's what we should be to each other. That level of deep family. Joyce would go outside and prepare hummingbird feed, the feeder for my daughter to go sit with her husband and do nothing but watch hummingbirds. So I commend you, my family. Live Ecclesia and watch hummingbirds. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this family. I thank you for the years of history that we have together, Father. Lord, I lift up those that are new, that are slowly working their way into our ecclesia, Father, into our spiritual family. Pray, Lord, that we would do a better job of reaching out to them, Father, finding their gifts, inserting them into into our family, Lord. Lord, in this church, in this family, in this group of people, Lord, Let us lean on each other. Let us worry with each other. Let us cry with each other and rejoice. (laughs) Let us be the living, breathing ecclesia that you declared in your New Testament, Father. Let us be the summation of the church upon which you built Peter, upon which Peter, it was built over Peter, Father. Let us be the light that shines for our love, Father. Let our actions and our words belie each other, Father. Let them work in unison. Lord, you call us to your royal priesthood. You call us to this body, Father, to prepare us for the day that you return. Oh, that glorious day. What a day it'll be. Let our hearts and actions be aligned with you, Father, through our family, Father. Let us be true to you and true to each other. 